Mac Power Users, Episode 105, Workflows with Video Producer Greg Jardin. Hello, everyone. This is David Sparks. Unfortunately, Katie couldn't be here today. She had a family emergency that required her to step away from the computer for a little bit. But that's okay because I have a guest with me, Greg Jardin. Welcome to the show. Thanks a lot. Thanks for having me. Well, thanks, Greg. You know, I really appreciate you coming on the show. I, I first discovered you uh, when I walked in the house one day and one of my daughters was watching a video on the uh, Apple TV. It was this Keena Granis video called In Your Arms. And it's amazing. And so, and you're the guy who directed it and really came up with the whole idea, right? Yeah. 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 So, so the way it works is you've got uh, Keena singing, but and behind her, you've got this moving jelly bean picture. Right. I guess that's the way to describe it. I mean, I've seen jelly bean art before where people will take a bunch of jelly beans and glue it to a piece of wood and, and hang it on a wall. But this one moves. I, could, I just couldn't believe it. Yeah, yeah, yeah I know. Okay, so, so Greg, and, and then I saw you have a little making of video of this thing. And so I was watching that. And, of course, you've got Max all over the place. And I said immediately, we got to get this guy on the show and talk to him about how he did all this. So l let's start with the, the Keena Granis one. Because you, I guess, is a little background. You've, you're making a lot of, directing a lot of music videos. Um, right. And we're going to talk about several because you're using a lot of interesting techniques to do it. Uh, but this is the one that really went big, isn't it? Yeah, this is the most popular one I've I've done so far. Yeah. Yes, I mean it's yeah. got like millions of views, and it's just it's just really amazing. But uh, but let's just tell talk a little bit about this one in particular to begin with. And if you're at home listening, we've got the uh, links in the show notes, and I recommend you just stop right now and watch this video before uh, you continue listening, so you've got an, a better idea of how it all fits together. So, Greg, um, so how did you come up with the idea for this to begin with? Um, well. I was a big fan of, uh, of Jelly Belly Jelly Beans just, you know, as a snack. And, um, you know, I've, uh, you know I've, I've a little part of me that's, you know, a little OCD. So on the, on the Jelly Belly website, you know, at one point I discovered you could um, order Jelly Beans categorized. Or actually, no, I'm sorry. Um, someone got me a variety box of jelly belly jelly beans and the box comes compartmentalized you know in different flavors which was very appealing to the sort of ocd part of my brain so i went on the jelly belly site and i noticed that you could order different flavors you know compartmentalized so you can order you know a two pound bag of you know of um you know, a very cherry or, a, you know, a blueberry. And uh, I thought that, you know, that, that was really cool. And so I was, I was kind of going through that. And I noticed there was a section on the Jelly Belly site called Gallery where it was essentially a showcase for what's known as jelly bean art. Yeah. And, and jelly bean art is essentially, it's uh, people that have used jelly beans to sort of um, um, create pictures or what would basically be paintings, just not with actual paint, but with jelly beans. So people have like recreated, um, you know, icons like um, Minnie Mouse or, you know, or celebrities like George Clooney, um, Marilyn Monroe. And these really super detailed works of art, but they've created them uh, using thousands of jelly beans. And I thought, you know, they all looked really cool. And, you know, uh, they're able to get this you know, this insane level of detail in these, you know, in these pieces of art. Yeah, I'm looking at the uh, Starry Night right now. Oh, okay. Yeah, great. Yeah. So, you know, you see how detailed it is. And, you know, if you really look at it from far away, I mean, you almost wouldn't know that there are jelly beans. It would just look like they're essentially paintings, but, you know, with some sort of interesting sort of like almost a callous texture to them. Um, so, you know, that was sort of the, uh, the starting point for me. And I thought those looked really cool. And, you know, I hadn't, you know, put it in the back of my mind that, oh, it, you know, it could look really aesthetically cool if, if someone did something like that, but with actual motion, like, like if the jelly beans were constantly moving to sort of create a moving image instead of just a still image. Yeah, and it's, um, that's the part that just blows me away. So when you watch the video, uh, she's singing, and behind her, there is a background image that is in full motion. It's like an animated 
movie in the background, except every frame is animated with jelly bellies. Right. Wow. wow. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, yeah. So Kina, I, I had met Kina a few years prior to us working on this video together. I had directed her first video, which I kind of got hired on to do as a job with uh, the production company that I'm represented by, which, uh, which is called Radical Media. Uh, they, um, she was doing, um, sh- she was a finalist in this free delay contest where if you won, uh, you know, it was like an American Idol esque search where anyone could vote on um, 10 artists to sort of win this big contest. And the top three uh, won, um, or I'm sorry, the top three finalists were awarded, you know, a um, quote unquote professional um, music video um, made for them. So uh, Radical Media was hired to do those three videos. I was hired as one of the directors. I got paired up with Kina. Uh, she won the whole contest, which kind of boosted her career. But so after that whole thing, she, um, you know, she'd emailed me when she was getting ready to put out her full length album. And, uh, you know, she, she asked me if I'd be interested in doing, a, you know, a video for um, one of the songs on her album. And she sent me three songs. And, um, you know, the first single was another song of hers called Valentine. And then she sent me this other track called In Your Arms. And, you know, when I heard In Your Arms, I don't know, um, something about it, just the uh, tone. Uh, sort of reminded me of this idea and you know I kind of looked into it a little further and I thought you know it might be like a really nice sort of marriage um, you know aesthetically to sort of pair those the uh, the uh, jelly bean idea together with um, with her song and also I just thought it worked really well with just Kina's overall image um, so I, you know I pitched her the idea and um, you know and she was you know she was into it uh, and then we just kind of started off from there yeah, so the video then goes on, and the way you shot it is she's you've got a sheet of glass over a tray that is the tray's holding the jelly beans, and then you've got the sheet of glass, and she would lay on top of that, and then you right. would shoot the frame. So there's no green screen at all. Everything is jelly beans in her, right. <laughs> and um, and just you know, and the making of video I'm going to put in the show notes as well. But so what you had to do is you you'd lay you put all the jelly beans on this tray and lay out the background image and then shoot, then have her lay on top of it. And then you'd shoot one frame. Right. And then she'd get up and then you'd set the next frame. Yeah. And how many frames are there in this video? Uh, There's 2,460 frames on the whole video. So how many frames per second is that? Uh, 12. Okay. So 12 frames per second for this video. That's uh, three and a half minutes or so. Right. And, and it's it's just amazing. So this whole thing is happening. It looks like she's right in it, but you know, obviously she's just a little bit in front of it with the glass. Right. But I mean, just even coming up with the idea of how to shoot that, that must have taken some time to figure out. Yeah. It took a little bit of time. You know, it's one of those things where you kind of come up with the idea and you don't necessarily, you know, right when you sort of have right when you conceive the idea like, oh, okay, you know, you know, like not only would it be cool to have moving jelly beans, but it'd be cool to have someone in front of them, like, you know, interacting with them the whole time. Um, you know, that's a nice moment. But, you know, at that point, or, well, I, anyway, you know, didn't exactly have the whole thing figured out. So, so once we started doing it, yeah, it was a matter of sort of figuring out how to practically execute it. And, um, you know, because, you know, I quickly came to the conclusion that we couldn't just lay her literally flat on the beans or else, you know, her body would sort of, um, mess up the, <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. Mess up the image. So, um, you know, a plexiglass, you know, a piece of plexiglass seemed like the best way to go. Um, so we just got this, you know, pretty thick, uh, piece of plexi, um, cut for us. It was a half inch piece of plexiglass. Um, and we elevated that, I believe it was 18 inches above our uh, tray of jelly beans. And then we had a camera, you know, mounted, I would say probably about six feet above, above the glass, uh, looking straight down. So from the camera's perspective, it doesn't really look like she's laying down. It looks like she's sort of standing up in front of this jelly bean world. And really the only problems with that were, um, well, there are two problems. One is that, um, because it was all glass, you'd see the reflection of, you know, the ceiling and the, you know, you know, and our, you know, and our rigs and stuff like that. So we just blacked out the whole ceiling, put some black felt 
on the entire ceiling. And the other, um, and, and, and the other main challenge was making it look like she wasn't actually laying down. So we just, you know, every shot we were kind of propping up her head with some sort of soft rags under her head, behind her head. Um, so her head wasn't sort of um, um, angled back the entire time. And her hair had to be constantly um, pinned, you know, pinned to itself and to her sweater uh, or whatever clothing she was wearing at the time. Um, so it didn't sort of fall back. So really, if you look close at the video, you can see these bobby pins um, um, in her, you know, you know, on her sweater, um, pinning down her hair the entire time. And also, we kind of had to make it look like her hair was the same length the entire time because we, we spent about a year and a half shooting her on and off. Um, so her hair sort of does, the, the, her hair length does fluctuate a little bit throughout the uh, video. Um, but I don't, I think she got one haircut as we were making the entire video, but it was more of a trim. Um, so those are the two initial practical challenges anyway. And, well, that's, uh, that's just amazing. The idea that it took a year and a half to make this. Yeah. Yeah. So, <laughs> and really, I mean, for the artist, that must've been really, you know, tough because you guys are making these one frame at a time. So it's like, okay, how long does it take to, I guess, how long does it take to set up one of these trays of jelly beans? I would imagine some time. Yeah. Uh, you know, um, uh, it, it varied a few, a few frames will only take, you know, a few minutes. It, you know, it all depended on, um, on how drastic the change was in the image behind her. Sometimes the image essentially stayed the same. Um, and we essentially just, just patted down all the beans. So there'd be a subtle amount of, mo- of, of, of motion. The idea is that, uh, you know, every, every, every frame in the video changes slightly. So you're never looking at a completely still image. Um, but so some of those frames will only take five minutes. Some frames were pretty intense and took, you know, it took hours. Um, so, so, but then she's got to sit around and wait for it to be ready, right? <laughs> right. She's got to sit around. Yeah. So, you know, we, uh, we shot the whole thing at my place and, you know, in my second bedroom. Luckily she only lives about a mile from me. So the commute for her, was pretty good. And we tried to sort of minimize the amount of time that she was sitting around. And, you know, when she would show up every day, we would always have a frame ready to go. So she would never show up and we'd be working on a frame. And she would just kind of hang out in my living room, uh, working on her computer, writing new music, uh, playing music. Um, sometimes she'd, she'd, she'd play my piano, stuff like that. Um, so she would, you know, stay pretty busy. Um, as, as we were doing it. But yes, it, it took up a lot of her time. And then, so she wore that outfit for a year and a half. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and those earrings and that. <laughs> yeah. And those earrings. Um, yeah. Yeah. We had the, the outfit cleaned, you know, a number of times. I and, bet. I yeah. bet. <laughs> uh, um, actually what's, what's, what's uh, funny is she was wearing this, this uh, heart shaped earring. And at one point, I don't know what happened in the earring, but, we lost it or, um, I don't know how, but we managed to somehow lose the, the hardship hearing that she was wearing. Um, but she had another one, but it was slightly larger. And so you can see, I think around like 45 seconds in, um, her earring just sort of enlarges. And, uh, and I think it coincides with a line in the song where she says something about her heart um, so right when she said something about her heart, the actual heart earring like jumps up in size. So it was just <laughs> really sort of bizarre having accent. But I've seen that that people have noticed that. Um, but it was it was a complete well, it was an accident really that that happened. Um, but that's one slight inconsistency that happens in the um, you know as the video progresses. Oh, you just got to say you planned it that way. Yeah, yeah, of course, of course. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's this big visual metaphor. Um, um, yeah, and then at some point she goes into the jelly beans, which makes it easier for I guess you guys. You don't need her there then to shoot those. Oh right, right, exactly. Yeah, and then at some point, then she comes back out, and then you had to go through a whole another process to do that. You actually um, put jelly beans on top of her that kind of explode off of her body. Yeah, right, right. The um, <laughs> yeah. So the the uh, sort of conceit of the whole video was that we were going to do the whole thing in camera. That that was the sort of aesthetic that I was going for, and just the uh, the um, sort of workflow that I wanted. Uh, stuff like that, really, just as a viewer, 
you know, and, and as a fan really excites me when I see something that someone uh, created from hand sort of um, using all like practical effects, so to speak. So that was kind of what I wanted to do. So there's essentially, right, um, as you said, like um, one part where Kina sort of, you know, we uh, have an effect where it looks like she, she kind of dives, you know, into this jelly bean world. And then she, the real Kina, disappears. And then we have sort of like a little animated version of her running around all created out of jelly beans. And then we, we sort of brought her back for the last third of the video. And the idea was when we were bringing her back, we see this sort of red silhouette um, sort of off in the distance of the jelly bean world. And it kind of flies at the camera. And that bit was sort of inspired by... Um, by Vertigo, by, 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 by Hitchcock's Vertigo. Okay. And, yeah, I can yeah. see that. <laughs> yeah. And uh, so the silhouette kind of flies at the camera, and then, you know, it gets bigger and bigger. And then right at the end, when the red silhouette sort of comes into, a, you know, essentially a medium shot, which is this sort of torso-up shot, uh, it turns into her. So, so, we wanted to have, so we were going with the idea that the sort of silhouette explodes out, and um, she's sort of under this red silhouette. So we were... You know, we had a number of conversations as to the best way to achieve that. And, uh, you know, essentially what we needed to do is sort of figure out a way to, to, to completely cover her in red, in, in, um, in red jelly beans, but just sort of cover, you know, the sort of contour of her body um, so that we can sort of still see, you know, our background behind that. And at one point, someone, or it was my friend Gillian that did the wardrobe. She, she came up with the idea. She's like, well, you guys can just make a, you know, you know, sort of like a, a plaster mold of her entire body and they cover that in jelly beans. And when she said it, it sounded like a crazy idea. Well, I guess it is kind of a crazy idea, but, um, you know, I didn't really understand how to make a plaster mold of someone's body sort of, you know, cheaply. Um, but it turned out that it actually wasn't that tough. We did the entire thing in a night. Um, you can essentially get like an arts and crafts kit. Um, my producer Daphne had done that, I think at some point when she was like in junior high school or something like that. And, yeah, so, so we essentially just made this plaster mold of, of Kina's body, painted it red, glued uh, cherry jelly beans onto the whole thing. And so, you know, the sort of end result uh, looks like essentially, you know, her laying there just completely covered in jelly beans. And then um, we had, you know, um, we shot that and then we kind of cut it up and sprinkled jelly beans over her and over the glass and, you know, and did that a few times. So the sort of end result looks like this jelly bean version of her that's um, where, where the sort of jelly beans just like, you know, as you said, just like, you know, um, explode off of her body and, um, and reveal her underneath. Well, I think it's just remarkable that you pulled this off. I mean, the fact that you came up with the idea is one thing. The fact that, you know, you had the pair to go make this is, is a whole nother thing. Uh, and I, <laughs> I want to talk about the, the software and the, the tools you use to do this. But first, I'm going to take a real quick break to talk about our first sponsor today. And that is uh, one of my very favorite applications. It's 1Password. And 1Password is an application that allows you to easily uh, prepare very secure passwords for your Mac and your iOS devices. Uh, everybody has the problem where they use the same password over and over again. You know, the classic examples, pencil, you know. But you don't want to do that. You want to have passwords that are computer-generated, that have many random characters and strings, and you also want to remember them. So these things seem like they're always at odds with one another, but they're not with this application 1Password because it does both of those things for you. It creates the password, but it also remembers it for you. So all you need to do is have your one master password to get into the application, and from there, you're good. It's going to take care of you. You can go into Safari, and it's got a little plug-in or Chrome, and you can have it fill in on the web for you. You can just go into the application and access them. In addition to creating passwords, it also creates secure notes for you, which is something I love to use all the time. And the good news is it's multi-platform. Not only does it work on the Mac and the iOS devices, it's also on the Android and the Windows and everywhere else. So it's just a great application. I use it all the time. One of the features I love about it is go and fill. So like if you're in 1Password on your Mac and you want to go to a secure website, from the application, you can just tap on the go and fill button. It goes to the web logs in your information and logs you in and you're all good. Um, you can get it uh, in the Mac App Store. You can also get it in the iOS App Store. There's a universal 
version, it's $15 that gets you both the iPad and the iPhone. The Mac App Store version is $49.99. If you want to do both Mac and Windows, then go to their website. They've got bundles there where you can get it all together. You can get 20% off uh, anything that they sell in the Agile Bit Store using the link on the Mac Power Users website, so make sure to go there. And if you do get 1Password, let them know you heard about it from us because we always appreciate uh, the 1Password uh, support of the show. Okay, Greg, now you made this video with these jelly beans. Tell us what you used. Okay, so... Um... My main computer is, um, you know, is a 15-inch MacBook Pro uh, from, I want to say it's two generations ago. Um, um, and there's this stop-motion software uh, called Dragon Frame. Uh, back, when, back when we were using it, uh, um, it was called Dragon Stop Motion, but, but now it's been changed to Dragon Frame. It's, 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 th- it's, it's this really you know, great software that, that I think um, most people uh, that do... Um, you know, professional stop motion use sure. to sort of create their product. Essentially, what it is is, um, you know, it's a program where you know you connect a camera to your computer, um, and it sort of you know it can control the um, the camera for you, so so you can kind of have it far away, um, and you know, and you can you know, and you can control your image. You take a picture, and then when you're getting ready to take your your uh, Next picture, you can quickly see the image that, that you, you just shot so you can see how it will sort of animate. Um, you can do what's called onion skinning, which is, you know, if you just shot 20 pictures and you're shooting number 23, you can kind of see ghosted images of the, of, you know, of, of the past few images. So you can kind of see almost like a trail of how your image is animating. Um, you can do all, like, all sorts of stuff. And we really only scratched the surface because what we were doing was fairly simple in terms of um of uh, like stop motion um, technology but um you know that was our main piece of software so um yeah. we actually well, had, well that yeah. would make sense because i mean you guys were doing so much work creating the shot that you didn't need to do a whole lot on the computer end right exactly exactly we're, we really just had to capture the image um and make sure that that our image matched up um to, to the one before it yeah, and it's interesting. This app is not really that expensive. It's three hundred dollars. Yeah, something like three hundred bucks. Um, you know, you buy it online, and then they actually mail you um, a USB um, controller for it, which is really just a keypad. Um, but you know, uh, you know, you know, on the keypad, each 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 numerical key has a different actual function as far as the program goes. Um, yeah, so it's great. I mean, I, I, you know, I highly um, recommend it for anyone that's interested in doing stop motion. Yeah, I'm looking at the website. It looks like uh, Frank and Weenie, the new Tim Burton movie that was made with this application as well. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and so what does the USB keypad do? Um, I mean, essentially, if you have, you know, like, you know, the Mac keyboard, or I, or I guess really any keyboard, with, with this, this sort of keypad on the right, essentially, you know, you can j- just use that. But basically, you know, one key plays um, what you have so far. One key just goes back one frame. One key goes ahead one frame. One key takes an actual picture. Stuff like that. So it's just functionality for, for the uh, program. But the... Um, the good thing about the, the USB keypad is you don't have to be literally sitting at your computer. You can be across the room using the keypad. So you can be like sitting right next to whatever you're actually shooting using this keypad and looking across the room at the screen and seeing the result. Now, is it connected by cord or is it wireless? Uh, yeah, it's USB, but it's a really okay. long cord. Yeah. Okay. The cord, I think, is probably like 10 feet or 15 feet or something That's like that. Smart. That's smart. Yeah. Yeah. So, so like when you were shooting this video, for instance, I mean, she's singing throughout the video and it didn't really occur to me when I watched it, even when I realized that this was all stop motion, but she wasn't really singing while you were shooting these shots. So you had to like pose her mouth as well. Like, right. 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 Yeah. Um, exactly. Yeah. So essentially what the sort of work, uh, the, the, the sort of process of getting each frame was, well, uh, you know, like I said, we sort of assembled the image put her on the glass, um, you know, assemble her hair, uh, you know, I, I would get her in the appropriate pose. And then, yeah, I'd have to tell her um, during the bits when she was singing, which is, you know, for the majority of the, of the, of, you know, her time on screen, I, I would sort of tell her what to do with her mouth, meaning, you know, what sort of syllable 
to emulate with her mouth. So when it's all put together, it looks like she's actually mouthing the lyrics or, or you know, or singing the song. Um, the way we did that was I, um, before we actually shot anything for the video, I, you know, I kind of had her act out, um, this sort of, you know, um, what she's going to be doing, you know, you know, in the video. So, you know, at the beginning of the video, she's walking and then a bird lands on her shoulder. She looks at the bird. She picks the bird off of her shoulder with her um, left hand. So, you know, I had all this stuff figured out before we actually did anything. And I, I, uh, you know, I, I got a camera and I just shot her against a wall, sort of doing all these things, actual, you know, sh- shooting it with, with like actual video. So, you know, at, you know, at this point, you know, you know, I'm saying, okay, um, look to your left shoulder. There's a bird, touch the bird, lift the bird up, put the bird back on, bird flies away, look up, you know, like you know, all that stuff. And also as she was doing this, she was also singing the song. So with this video, I sort of knew, you know, um, you know, I use that as a reference. And so I, you know, you know, I knew exactly what she was supposed to be doing at any given um, moment in the song. So when we were shooting the entire thing, you know, I had everything, you know, um, numbered out frame one through frame uh, 2460. So if we were on frame 811, um, I would have that, that reference video of her and I would have a frame 811 of that that coincided with what we were shooting. So if in frame 811 of my reference video, she's making an M sound, I would know to tell her, okay, just make an M sound here. Um, it was a little, you know, I mean, I wouldn't say it was tricky initially, but, you know, it took a little while initially for us to sort of, um, you know, get in that zone. But um, really, once we started doing it for a few days, um, she got really good at it. And, you know, I would, you know, I would just tell her what sound she'd uh, to make and, you know, she would just make it. And, you know, it probably felt weird for her at the time to, to, to sit there for 20 seconds, you know, holding, you know, an A sound with her mouth. But, um, you know. Uh, when it all cut together, you know, the end result is that, you know, she's singing the whole song. Well, it's, it's really remarkable. And so what kind of camera did you use to capture all these images? Uh, we used, um, my Nikon, it's a Nikon D 300. Um, and it came out, gosh, I want to say it came out maybe five years ago, five, six years ago, something like that. It's a DS, uh, a DSLR. Yeah. So you just, Um, you mounted that and then you tethered it to your Mac and right. then using this application, uh, then you just went ahead and shot each frame. Now, now, did you do the post-production as well in the application, or did you go somewhere else for that? No. So, um, I mean, so essentially what I did was I shot everything a bit wider than, than, than we actually needed. So, you know, the, um, DL, the uh, Nikon gives you, you know, a, like a pretty high-res image, um, like higher than what's known as 4K resolution. So, yeah. um Essentially, uh, j- just because, you know, we're essentially shooting, shooting the whole thing, for, you know, over the course of a year and a half. So, so stuff, you know, I mean, in a, in a completely perfect world, we wouldn't have moved anything. The tragedy means would have stayed mathematically still. The camera wouldn't have moved an inch. But realistically, you know, we're, we're bumming into the board the whole time. The camera is just slightly moving over time. So it, it had to be constantly adjusted. So when you look at the entire thing we shot, you know, it would sort of bounce around a little bit over time. Uh, so made the decision early on to sort of shoot, you know, more, more visual information than we actually needed, knowing that we, we, we would sort of go in and, you know, and uh, shift everything around. So to, you know, in order to um, sort of smooth out those bumps and, and get rid of many, um, as many of them as possible. So in order to do that, I used um, After Effects, Adobe After Effects. Uh, CS5, I think, is what I was using for that one. Um, 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 Adobe After, I'm not sure how much you know about After Effects, but, you know, it, it's essentially, um, you know, it's, it's essentially like Photoshop, but it's for video. Yeah. So, you, you know, you can do a lot to affect the image and, and you know, over time or, 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 you know, for a still frame or something like that. So, you know, I do um, a lot of After Effects work and, and that was essentially what I did all of the post in. But really, for this video, most of the post just consisted of, of you know, image, um, uh, you know, of, of uh, just like shifting the image and stuff like that and, and uh, compensating for the, you know, the, uh, the, um, the the unwanted camera movement and stuff like that over time and 
doing a bit of color correction, you know, and, and stuff like that. Since basically uh, the end video was essentially just just as we shot. Yeah. Yeah. So I would guess that you would have to do like uh, some alignment of the frames as it would move. And then and it doesn't look like so you did much. Did you do much color correction or is it it looks pretty clean? I mean. Yeah, um, not a whole lot. I don't want to do too much since you know, like, like I wanted the actual natural palette of the you know you know of the jelly beans to, to sort of um, speak for themselves. So we didn't really necessarily give the video like you know a look like you do for most videos. Um, really, you know, um, uh, like bringing up the you know, because usually what you you do for other videos is sort of decide on a look like okay like like I want the blues in the shadows here to be boosted or something like that. But for this one, since we were essentially using the entire um, color spectrum on this via the uh, jelly beans, we, we just wanted to to, to to sort of look fairly natural, but also you know um, nice and saturated and and, and have those colors really uh, pop. So that was really. I think if I if I really did anything beyond that, um, there there were a few bits. There's one part where it looks like she's in space, and I changed our lighting on that um, because we essentially had just these uh, two small lights bouncing off the ceiling and and you know and off the walls, lighting the entire video. But for there's this one bit where she goes into space, so we kind of made her this makeshift um, you know space helmet essentially, which was just like this glass uh glass sphere which was like, like you know a light cover that w we kind of cut in half yeah it looks um, like a fishbowl yeah it's essentially like yeah. a you know a plastic fishbowl um that we had a you know a plastics shop uh cut for us um and that would essentially reflect everything in the room so we changed the lighting on that i used these sort of three small fluorescent lights that you could just get at home depot which you can see reflected in the helmet actually uh, three sort of strips of light and for that because the lighting changed um, uh, there were certain parts of the jelly bean board that were lit up more than others so in after effects i just kind of went in and isolated those areas and you know and darkened them up stuff like that um, and the color temperature of those lights was um, you know a bit different so i, I use i use after effects to kind of help smooth that out as well um, so you know for the, for for, for this video, yeah, it was essentially just image alignment and color correction as far as After Effects went. And then did you use anything else after that, or was that it? Uh, that was it, yeah. I just I'd exported it straight out of After Effects. Uh, oh, oh, actually, you know, technically, um, I did, I spit out a sequence of, of, um, of super high-res TIFFs, like 4K-level TIFFs um, out of After Effects, um, you know, a sequence of, of, of 2,400 TIFFs. And then I actually took... Um, you know, I did a, like, um, uh, you know, a batch run uh, in uh, Photoshop and I put on what's known as a high pass filter, which is essentially um, something that y you can do to sort of uh, sharpen up the image. Um, After Effects has, has uh, sharpening tools, but in a print, you know, if you're just doing a print image, uh, if you run this high pass filter in, in uh, Photoshop, it can yield some some some. Um, um, pretty cool results and um you know in um in creating key art for movies and, and tv shows and stuff like that it's used a lot to really sort of um sharpen up those uh the uh, shots of the talent or the hero shots as they call them um so i uh i did a pass of that in photoshop brought that back into after effects and then spit out you know the final video well i um, never i never would have guessed that that video went through photoshop yeah <laughs> yeah yeah just for that really um but uh, that's something that when you actually watch the video, because of the you know the compression on on YouTube or Vimeo, I mean that essentially you know that eliminates the the work that the high pass filter uh, went through anyway. But if you look at the stills, you can kind of get a sense of or you know um, that the high pass comes through a bit on that. It's very subtle, um, but yeah. So I just I just kind of did that in, you know in Photoshop as a final layer. Well, that's one of the fun things about this video is actually pausing and just looking at all the detail and seeing how all the jelly beans are laid out. And so, so what's the final count of jelly beans you used making this thing? Oh man. Uh, <laughs> well, I don't know the exact amount of actual beans used, but the, the, the amount of beans we had, I think was, it was 288,000. Um, that was the amount of beans that, that Jelly Belly gave us. Jelly Belly actually, um, 
donated all all of the beans for the project. They were, a, you know, a really great partner in it. Um, we had sent them a proposal before we, we did anything. You know, once Kina had signed on, once we had the idea, and once we had the whole narrative arc of the video, so to speak, kind of mapped out, we, uh, you know, uh, threw together this proposal, a PDF, and uh, my producer Daphne had called had, had called them and pitched them the idea. We sent them the proposal. And, you know, and they liked the idea and they really liked Kina, you know, and they thought Kina's image kind of worked well with their image. So they said, OK, you know, we'll we'll hook you guys up with with X amount of jelly beans. So they gave us, gosh, I think it was around 70 boxes or, or maybe just under 70 boxes of jelly beans. And, and each box was um, uh, 10 pounds of jelly beans and they came um, um, sorted by flavor or, yeah. or you know, or or by color. So that helped out a lot. And again, that, that sort of appealed to my, uh, you know, you know, the OCD part of, you know, of me. <laughs> okay. So while you're sitting there working three hours to set up a frame, did you ever find yourself eating any of them? Yeah. Um, but we didn't, <laughs> we didn't eat the ones that we were actually using because those ones had people's hands all over them. Yes. So, you had to have a separate stash. <laughs> right. Exactly. A, you know, uh, yeah, a separate stash. And they also sent us some, um, um, a bunch of sampler packs as we were going so we could just snack off those and they sent us a bunch of stuff just like a bunch of different candies they have they have um chocolate covered jelly beans um they have all kinds of stuff candy corn pretzels stuff like that um so uh so yeah we definitely had an ample amount of sugar to sort of get us through the whole process well, Greg, you've done some other stuff with your Mac and uh, made some other interesting videos with some other techniques I'd like to talk about. But before we do that, I'm going to talk about our second sponsor real quick. Um, and that is Pixelmator. Now, I know you love Photoshop, but I got to admit, Pixelmator is the one I use on the Mac. And uh, there's a couple of reasons. Number one is I'm not a pro like you, and I have a lot of trouble uh, dealing with Photoshop. But Pixelmator for 15 bucks has got just about everything I need. Uh, as an amateur photographer, and it's got some real powerful tools. They got the new version out, 2.1 Cherry, and they've got uh, support for the Retina display on the MacBook Pro now. They've got iCloud support. They've got this effects browser now, so when you apply an effect, you can actually instantly see a preview of it on your image, so you don't have to wait for it to render and not know what you're going to get. It's fully uh, supporting Mountain Lion. Uh, another new feature they have that I really love is the alignment guide. So now, just like like in Keynote and some of the other Mac apps, when you drag objects around the screen and they automatically line up with each other, Pixelmator's got that. So if you're setting up an image and you want to drag objects in, you can get them centered or aligned just how you want. Uh, they've really you know, gone to town with this new version. If you've already owned Pixelmator, I encourage you to upgrade to the new version. Just go in the Mac App Store and you can do it there. Uh, if you haven't got in yet, go to their website, pixelmator.com, and just watch some of the videos and some of the demonstrations, and you'll see that you can really do some really remarkable photo editing in this $15 application. I just love it. Check it out. And once again, if you do get it, let them know you heard about it from us, because we appreciate their sponsorship, and we want them to know that you do as well. So, Greg... In addition to the Kina video, you have done a lot of other really amazing stuff. A, a couple of them that really stand out for me is like you did this one for the Earth Hour. Uh, that's an Earth Hour commercial. Oh, yeah. And sure. you, yeah, and you did that. It looks like um, I was it for Australia, I believe. Uh, yeah, it was. Uh, yeah, it's for an event called Earth Hour, which is sort of sponsored by the WWF. Um, and it. it it's, it started in Australia, but it's sort of like, you know, it's, you know, it's a worldwide event now. The, the basic idea is that uh, World Wildlife is encouraging everyone to turn off all their lights. Actually, I think stop using electricity altogether uh, for one hour um, on a certain day every year. And, uh, you know, I, I think at that point it was in March. Um, so the idea is to sort of make a, you know, a worldwide energy um, um, conservation uh, m movement to you know um, lessen you know you know you know our um, you know our, our our footprint on Mother Nature. So this was sort of you know an ad for that. So the way you did it, it looks to me like, and I'll have the link for this in the show notes. Again, I recommend you stop and watch this if you have the ability to. But it looks to me like you're. Is it in a warehouse or something? Yeah, that was on a soundstage. In of Sydney. course, a soundstage. Yeah, duh. <laughs> and then, and so then you had a camera mounted in the ceiling, pointing yeah. down, 
And then you just had actors carrying carts with colors on them. Uh, kind of like you'd see in a stadium, but they're moving. Right, right, exactly. And and how did you do that? That was basically, yeah, so, so we shot in this massive soundstage in... Um, it was a uh, Fox Studios in uh, in Australia. It was the same soundstage that they used for like movies like The Matrix, Star Wars prequels, uh, Baz Luhrmann's Australia. So it was it was huge, and and the ceiling was I don't know how high it was, but it was you know it it was it was way up there. So, so we mounted um, a camera to, to this sort of gantry in the ceiling, pointed straight down. It was an Alexa camera that we used, um, uh, which is a motion picture camera, a digital a digital motion picture camera, and um, you know, um, and, and since they, you know, had to point straight down. And the idea is that we have, you know, 200 people that are all that are dressed in all black and they have one colored square on their head, which is almost like a graduation cap, but it's colored. And then we have colored squares on each of their arms so that when we get all these people in certain formations, uh, just looking down at their heads, you know, they all just look like pixels. And um, when they sort of stretch out their arms... Um, everyone collectively together creates an image. So the idea was to sort of um, have, you know, a voiceover talking sort of about Earth Hour and then having these people create images that sort of um, correlated with what the voiceover was talking about, which was about Earth Hour. So, you know, like the first image that everyone made was of a globe. Um, and I think we had a light bulb in there because they're talking about, you know, turn off your lights. And then... Um, there's a bicycle, oh, because that year uh, uh, people were also encouraged to uh, ride their bike to work that day to sort of conserve even more energy. And then I think the final image was a plus, um, because that year it was um, known as Earth Hour Plus, and the idea was don't just turn off your lights, but but you know do one thing extra, which is you know like like you know take the bus to work or ride your bike to work or something like that. Um, so the ad agency was an ad, was was an agency called Leo Burnett out of Chicago. They had done the Earth, the Earth Hour campaign, I think, for, for the years prior, or maybe even since its conception. And they initially came up with an idea to just uh, use a bunch of people to create various images. Um, that idea, uh, you know, was sort of brought to me, and and they asked for uh, my take on it, and I kind of came up with this um, pixel people sort of an idea um so essentially you know uh you know um that's how the project kind of came to be and how i actually executed was um i i i essentially just just um took a bunch of pictures of of myself um or i had uh my, actually it was while we were shooting the Kina video, I had my producer Daphne just kind of stand off my balcony and shoot a bunch of pictures down of me in these various poses. And I, and I sort of used that, uh, used that as my preliminary storyboards. I just photoshopped these squares on my body, a bunch of different colored squares, and then I assembled like hundreds of versions of me in all these different um, sort of grid-like formations to create these different images. So that's how I essentially knew, okay, we, you know, for this image we need... 92 people in this sort of formation with these different um, colors on their heads and, and on their arms to create th- these images. And then on so, the actual... So it's almost like you'd like to get like marching band people or somebody in there who's used to like going out and making formations. <laughs> right, right. Exactly. Um, yeah, we actually end up uh, just using all, um, all volunteers. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, so what we essentially did was we just made a grid on the soundstage using black tape, um, which you can see if you look closely. And, you know, off to the side, you know, out of the shot, you know, we would sort of uh, number or uh, send a letter to each row or column. So, you know, each person would know, okay, so for this shot, you're going to, you know, group position G7. Um, if you're going to go out there and spread either both your arms or one arm or neither of your arms. Um, Instead of each person would have their own direction, so um, that was sort of shot in chunks, so that we would essentially assemble the image first, have people have their arms up, um, so we could initially see the image, and then everyone would uh, drop their arms and instead of walk back out of the shot, and we would reverse that whole thing, 
um, in post. So it would look like people would sort of run, you know, run into position, spread their arms up and make this image. Um, so, ah, you know, okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so much. Cause I was thinking that I was wondering how they did that. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Smart, smart, smart. Okay. So, <laughs> all right. You yeah. know, sometimes I'm clueless about these things, but that makes so much more sense. So they're already there. They're and, already there. Yeah. yeah. And so it, it was actually shot twice. So we would shoot one plate with them already there, spreading their arms out, you know, give them a cue to, to drop their arms and then cue them one by one. Okay, this row comes out, this row comes out, this row comes out. You know, and that whole bit would take, you know, a few minutes. And then we would dramatically speed that up and post it. it would, you know, so, you know, the whole thing goes down in like, you know, in six seconds. So we, so we essentially would reverse that and then everyone gets in, uh, gets into place. Then we had a second shot where um, we, we would get them in place and then have them run out a different direction. And so we kind of stitched those two shots together. So we had them entering and leaving yeah. is the idea. Yeah. Um, I was like the, the, the first shot where they're the earth. I'm like, how on earth did these people know where they're supposed to be? I'm such a, you <laughs> right. know, sometimes I'm so clueless about this stuff. Oh, so, no, no, no. so what about yeah. the tech on this? Now, did, did you do this in just After Effects or what, what did you process this in? Uh, it was a storyboarded in Photoshop. Um, we cut it together. Well, I, like, I cut it together using Final Cut Pro, actually, uh, Final Cut 7. Yeah. Um, and so where do you but, stand real quick on the whole Final Cut religious war that's going on right now? <laughs> still with seven? Yes, still with seven, or as it's known now, legacy. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I never, I never, you know, I didn't, um, I mean, you know, seven um, for me has, you know, has worked great. So I didn't even really need to upgrade to X. And, you know, if there's a whole debate as to, um, you know, if X was really like, you know, a downgrade and, you know, all that stuff. So, um, you know, I know some people use it uh, and like it. Um, I've, I've never used it myself. I've, I've just stuck with seven. Sure. Stick with what, you know. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. Um, so, yeah, I essentially just, just, just edited it all in seven. But then um, an effects house called The Mill kind of took it from there and like really did the stitching um, sort of based on my blueprint of it. And, um, and they did all the coloring themselves. Not sure what they use actually. I'm, I'm assuming they use like, like, you know, a high end coloring system, like a, like a Da Vinci maybe or something like that. Um, but yeah, so that one, I would say most of the, you know, it was, it was, uh, you know, really like 75% planning. And then just when we we're actually shooting it, it was essentially just all math, you know, it's like, okay, uh, just, um, get, you know, get these guys in there, have, have them do their thing, get them out, done. Um, so yeah, but, uh, as far as, as, as a post workflow, yeah, it was, it was, it was just final cut and then, and the mill took it from there. Um, so I don't, I don't think, yeah, I didn't, I didn't even touch after effects for that one. Okay. All yeah. right. Well, and then as we record this, you've got a new video coming out that you did for New York. And yeah. that one's really interesting too. It kind of reminds me of the stop motion you did for the first one. Yeah. For the yeah. One. And, uh, and once again, the link for this is in the show notes, go check it out, but let's just describe it a little bit. Um, well, actually, why don't you describe it? I'm sure you can do a better job than I. Sure. Uh, it's a video for Joey Ramone of, uh, lead singer, um, of the Ramones. Um, uh, and, um, you know, he, he, he passed away, um, um, a little over 10 years ago, but, um, his brother Mickey has sort of um, um, assembled, you know, um, this is essentially like, you know, his lost album. Uh, it, it was like old demos that they recorded that were slightly unfinished. And, and his brother Mickey got together with a, this old school Ramones producer called Ed Stasium, who produced a bunch of old Ramones records and, you know, all sorts of other stuff, actually, um, to sort of. Uh, um, get these demos and get a bunch of New York f musicians, a bunch of like old school punk rocker guys to sort of um, finish out the parts that weren't um, finished, you know, on his demos. So now the album has been released and there's a song on it called New York City. Um, so I did a music video for that song, New York City. The song is all about New York. It's, it's like a love letter to New York. So, um, 
So, you know, uh, they asked me if I was interested in writing on it. And, you know, I've been like a huge Ramones fan since I was in like junior high school. So, you know, it was the closest thing at this point uh, anyone can come to doing a Ramones video. So, you know, I, I was really excited about it. And, you know, it wasn't um, it didn't have that much money behind it. So it was, it was a question of, well, what can you do for this video where the artist isn't available to do it? And you don't have that much money, but, um, you know, is there an idea that, that you, you can come up with? And, you know, generally speaking, I'm a huge fan of like a high concept idea as far as a music video goes. Um, like high concept meaning the actual concept of, of the video um, is, you know, not, not more important than the actual artist, but, um, you know, it's not just a a performance video or you know or, or you know it's not just like a simple narrative um yeah, yeah well that's clear i mean just from all the things we've talked about already i mean everything you do has kind of a unique feel to it and it's just it's really great i like it so thanks, so what would you do thanks. for the remotes yeah so basically the idea is um uh, you know i wanted to, to you know I, like i thought it would, like it would be cool if we came up with, with a way to sort of showcase um the whole city um, somehow. So I was like, okay, well, maybe we can have 100 people in the video, all, all different walks of life, all different ages and, and, and ethnicities can be in this video. And we can cover as much physical ground as possible. So the basic idea is we started the video where it looks like, oh, yeah, and the whole thing is stop motion, um, as you said. Um, so the video starts out and we're, and we're just flying down the sidewalk in New York flying on the sidewalk and then we sort of run to our first guy which is joey's brother mickey he's wearing that sort of classic ramones leather jacket um and he's singing the song and sort of making a handful of, of um you know of different gestures and two seconds in he sort of smacks himself in the chest and right when he does that he turns into someone else yeah uh, and let me just yeah. stop there for a second so when you say you're flying down it, it's stop motion so You've set the camera up, I guess, on a tripod, and you, sh you shot an image, and you walked down the street. I don't know how far you went for each shot, but... Yeah, but it was... Well, it varied, but it was roughly 30 feet in that case. Okay, so you go down the street 30 feet, and then you shoot the next frame. And then right. the whole video is kind of shot like that. So you had like a, a map, I guess, of New York, and you had a whole path laid out, and you spent the day walking down the sidewalk taking pictures. Right, exactly, exactly. And then, and then you're able to use some of the Kina Granis, I guess, stuff you figured out in order to pose these people for each frame singing the song. Right, yeah. Same technique, actually. Yeah, so I would, I would shoot, you know, like I shot videos of myself singing the song and uh, pantomiming the whole thing out. Um, I shot these, these uh, videos, like, you know, in my hotel. Uh, I took those videos put them in an After Effects and then split them up into frames, I would number each frame. So, you know, if like that day we were shooting frame, whatever, like 10 through 100, um, um, you know, I would, I, would, I, would, I would spit out JPEGs and After Effects of each of those frames with an actual number of the frame on it and what word was actually being said. So I'd have a picture of myself, you know, and, and it would have like a little, um, you know, 98 number down there and it would say like city. So when I looked at it, I know, okay, so this frame number 98, and this is what I'm doing with my mouth, this is what I'm doing with my arms, and I'm saying the word city just in case I need to get, get, get a reference. So I stuck all those frames on, um, on my iPhone, and we also had an iPad as well. Um, and, um, you know, and we'd look at the uh, images on, you know, you know, on the phone or on the iPad, so we know, it's like, okay, so right now we're on frame you know, 68. Um, so... You know, on, on frame 68, I'm making an end sound. My arms are doing this, and I would just pose the person accordingly. Um, and, um, and I also, um, on this one, we, uh, we hired a, uh, what's known as a character animator to, to, to sort of come out and uh, help us out. And uh, sh she would essentially be in charge of uh, posing the people. So Yeah, because a lot, of, a lot of these people weren't actors, right? Oh, yeah, no. Yeah, almost yeah. none of them were, really. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so... So yeah, that's essentially how I did it. And the idea is that every two seconds in the song, or really at the end of every of every measure, there's uh, something physical happens to that person to sort of transform them into someone else. Um, and as we're doing this, as you said, we're uh, sort of taking um, 20 steps back or moving back 30 feet or whatever uh, through the city. So the end result 
is it looks like these people are like gliding backwards really fast through the city and, you know, like smacking themselves in the face, running into walls, stomping on the ground, stuff like that. Um, and each time they do one of these actions, it turns them into someone else. So it'll go from like Mickey Lee to, you know, you know, like a younger Asian girl with a mohawk to, you know, like another guy. And so the end result is, you know, you have 100 people in the video by the end, uh, you know, like all different ethnicities and age groups and, you know, from all different um, walks of life uh, that are all that, um, that are all wearing the same jacket and all singing the song instead of taking us through the video. And we're also covering, you know, a bunch of ground on New York as well. You know, we shot in Manhattan and uh, Brooklyn and Queens, uh, sort of all around. How long did it take you to shoot this? Uh, that we shot over the, over the course of three weeks. Um, but, you know, if we were really shooting it really hard, I think we, we could have gotten it done in two. Um, you know, because we would really only shoot for a few hours every day. Um, and we were yanking people off the street, um, you know, just out there like, hey, <laughs> like, you know, because it would only take about, you know, uh, 20 to 30 minutes to shoot each person. So it was a pretty light time commitment. So the idea was to get as many, you know, quote unquote, authentic New Yorkers in there as, as, uh, as possible. So I'd say like half the people in the video, we literally just pulled off the street right then and there, kind of pitching the idea, figured out well, what leather jacket they would fit into and, um, you know, and, and went and shot them. Um, well, you know, you know, a bunch of, um, of cameos in there as well from both, um, you know, like, you know, a lot of musicians, bands, um, some actors, comedians, um, and some other like Anthony, um, Anthony Bourdain's in there for uh, two seconds. Um, yeah, I saw that. (laughs) (laughs) Um, so, you know, like those guys, we actually didn't, didn't pull off the street, um, you know, those guys we uh, kind of contacted in advance and asked if they'd be interested in coming out for 30 minutes. And, and yeah, it was a great experience. It was really hot when we shot it. We shot it, I think, over the um, two of the three weeks. I think we were the two hottest weeks in New York um, uh, for this past summer. Uh, so it was uncomfortable for people wearing leather jackets, <laughs> um, you know, 100 degree heat. But, um, but yeah, it was, you know, it was really fun to do and to meet, all, you, know, you know, a bunch of people. Um, but again, you know, it was all sort of planned out using After Effects. Um, and I guess, you know, in, in, you know, in this case, we didn't actually, um, we weren't walking around with, with a Mac using Dragon Stop Motion just because, you know. Yeah, that doesn't make sense. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, you know, it was too cumbersome, obviously. So that's why we went the sort of iPhone, iPad route with uh, this one. And, um, you, know, you know, it worked out nicely. Um, this one, I actually shot without a tripod, just handheld, because... We didn't have permits for anything. Okay. So we wanted to keep it as, as low profile as possible. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, so yeah. you use it with your Nikon? Yeah, same camera, Nikon. And um, this one needed significantly more After Effects work in post since, you know, like, like, you know, each image wouldn't really align perfectly to the last since I, I was just hand-holding the whole thing. Yeah, um, and so also I, the color and the everything. I mean, it would seem to me like this would need a lot more post-production work. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. And we had, a, you know, you know, a handful of gags that required, you know, painting a few things out, um, you know, in Photoshop and stuff like that. Um, so, so yeah, that was so, essentially. How we so did it was it. just you and the, uh, the kind of the the character coach and the act. How many people did you have walking um, down it, the street? Uh, um, it varied. Sometimes we had three. Sometimes we had as many as six. Um, if we had a few interns. Um, um, my producer, Je- um, my producer Jessica was with us more or less the whole time, um, you know, but it was pretty small. Really, we just needed someone to sort of, because we had a suitcase full of five leather jackets, different sizes. Someone had to lug that around. Um, and if we needed as many people as possible to sort of um, try to yank talent off of the street, stuff like that. Um, someone would always sort of be like um, getting water and stuff like that to make sure that we, we were all hydrated. But, you know, it was a, it, it was a pretty small crew. Yeah. It was pretty yeah, low profile. Well, I really like it. And I can, I can see, you know, I can see your, your hand in all of these videos. I mean, it just, there is kind of a common theme to them. And uh, I think it's awesome that you pull all this stuff off with the Mac. Thanks. Thank you. The, um, the, you know, the, uh, so what's next? What's next? Uh, I just actually just yes or uh, two days ago, I shot a video for um, this really awesome band 
uh, called The Joy Formidable. Um, they um, have a full-length album out now on, on Atlantic, and um, they're getting ready to release their second album um, in, in uh, January. It's going to be called The Wolf uh, or Wolf Law. And um, they're just like this, uh, th- this, this three-piece rock band uh, from Wales, um, and they're really great. So this video was a lit, uh, was a, um, was not as high concept, you know, um, this video is a little lighter on concept and just higher on aesthetic. Um, you know, like all the, all the ones that we've all just spoken about, you know, have been much more about the concept and and not so much about the sort of beauty and the aesthetic. So I, I, I wanted to, uh, sort of explore something in the other direction, uh, for this one. So this is essentially, um, a performance video, I guess you could say, w- with a twist that we kind of shot to look, you know, nice and that stuff like that. So um, I'm just starting to cut that now. I'm actually waiting on the footage. So I, have, I actually haven't started to do anything. Um, but yeah, so, th- so that'll be what I'll, I'll be spending my next month. Yeah, the, um, I, I want to take one last sponsor break for our last sponsor. Then I just want to talk about how you use your Mac for um, some of the utilities and the ways you do all this post-production. So just give sure. me one second for the last ad. And that would be for Drobo. Uh, Drobo is a company that makes fantastic uh, attachable storage for your Mac. And uh, they just announced the new Drobo Mini and Drobo 5D. If you've got the Thunderbolt ports on your iMac or your new MacBook Pro, uh, you definitely want to check these out. The thing about Drobo is that it's it's redundant storage, and it can use any drive you throw at it. The new mini one is even greater. It uses the uh, laptop size drives. So like if you were going to be on location shooting, for instance, and you wanted to have a good uh, storage, attachable storage, Drobo Mini something you definitely want to check out. My favorite, though, is the Drobo FS, which is what I use. Uh, I've got it attached directly to the Ethernet port in my uh, time capsule, and I've got three terabytes of storage available to everyone on the network. And it's just fantastic because I've been throwing these drives in it over the years and I've got small ones and big ones. And as the the older ones are obviously the smaller ones, they start to go. Then I go replace it with a new one and I have no trouble whatsoever. It just brings it into the system. It grinds on it for a little while to make sure it knows what it's got. And then I've got my redundant storage set up again. You can even set it up if you want for two drive failures, which is pretty amazing. Um, one time I had a power surge at the house and it took out one of the drives in my Drobo, but the, I didn't lose any data because, you know, the Drobo is built with this redundant storage. So you can check them out at Drobo.com. They've got a variety of prices depending on what you need. Like you can go from the, the, uh, the basic Drobo model, which is the, uh, the first one I bought, uh, up into something like the Drobo Pro, which can store eight units and hold 24, um, terabytes of data so they whatever your needs are they've got you covered they've been great for supporting the mac since the very beginning it's just a natural fit for mac users especially people that do creative stuff like greg uh go check it out and let them know you heard about them from us so greg uh just as a last piece now you've been doing all this stuff on your mac over the years and i know you're a big user of the adobe suite um what are the other little tools you use to get all this stuff done um, I mean, you know, the programs I, I use the most, obviously, um, are, are After Effects, Photoshop, and Final Cut. Um, trying to think what else. Uh, you know, I use a, like a variety of stuff in the Adobe Suite. I mean, I use like um, InDesign to uh, um, uh, f- um, <clears throat> assemble all my treatments because essentially, when I'm, you know, when I'm, I'm uh, pitching an idea, you know, like I'll throw it together and, and make it look kind of nice uh, using InDesign. Um, hey, and you were telling me that you're really good at Photoshop, too, that you do a lot of design work. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, yeah. It's for someone else to say I'm really good, but uh, I know it well. <laughs> I'll say that, yeah. But I, I can kind of see that influence of the way you shoot these videos because, you know, you, you do take kind of a Photoshop approach to some of the stuff with the stop motion and the ability to, to set images up the way you do. Right, sure, yeah. Do you have uh, any yeah. do you have any favorite plugins for those products? Um yeah. Um in um what well, I mean I I guess the ones I use the most in After Effects is is with is 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 the Trap Code Suite, uh which is a, like a collection of uh, six plugins. The most popular one, which I think probably a lot of people use, is a is a plugin called Particular. And that is essentially what's known as, as a particle generator um, in After Effects. So it's really good for making 
I mean, all like all sorts of stuff, dust, snow, um, smoke, you know, it's okay making smoke, um, you know, it's okay and making more like, more like atmosphere um, stuff. But um, yeah, I, I, I use that probably more than I, I use anything else. Um, I, I guess I should probably mention, like, like, I've, like I have a background in, um, in uh, graphic design and motion design. I do a lot of like work as, um, as an art director um, and stuff like that. So, so that sort of experience has helped me um, you know, with with um, videos and commercials and and, dust and stuff like that, and 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 that's how I've I've known how to do all this stuff. Um, but yeah, but consequently, I you know I used a lot of, of of Adobe products. I used to do a lot of stuff in Flash. I don't really, I don't really touch Flash too, too much anymore. Um, I'm trying to think what else. Oh, and um, and I just use Adobe Audition to sound design this Joy Ramone video um, to sort of create all the sound effects and. You know, you know, and align them and mix them and, and uh, you know, and, st- and stuff like that. You know, I didn't even know that product existed. <laughs> <You know? laughs> Audition? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, it's, it's, uh, f- it's fairly new. It used to be called Sound Booth. Um, Audition is essentially the same thing as Sound Booth, but a little more, um, you know, you know, upgraded. Um, you know, it's a little more on the professional side, but it's, it's, it's still a fairly um, consumer level um, um, you know, it's you know, it's it's like Pro Tools, just not nearly as fancy, essentially. Yeah. 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 Well, I think the stuff you do, Greg, is is amazing, and uh, I'm glad that I discovered you, and I'm looking forward to see what you do next. And uh, I love seeing people make amazing things with their Macs, and I think our listeners do too. So I really appreciate you spending the time to come in and geek out with us for a morning. Oh, thanks. It's my pleasure. It's a lot of fun. Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. And keep us posted on what you do in the future. We'll definitely post links and, um, and maybe we'll talk again soon. Great. Yeah, that'd be great, man. Thank you very much. I want to thank Greg Jardin again for coming in and sharing his experiences with us. I think Greg's video and his eye is really quite amazing. I strongly recommend you go watch some of his stuff and know that it was all made with a Mac. Uh, as we've recorded the show, I've communicated with Katie and, and her emergency thankfully is not anything terrible and she's going to be okay and everybody's going to be all right. So please don't worry about Katie. She's going to be fine. And I want to thank the listeners for putting up with me. This was kind of a last minute thing of me doing it alone. And uh, I was frazzled a little bit in terms of getting all the pieces together, but I think I I managed to pull it off. Uh, You can go ahead and contact us at MacPowerUsers.com or 5x5.tv slash MPU, where you will find the show notes with links to some of the great stuff that Greg has done. You can send us an email to MacPowerUsers. uh, That's feedback at MacPowerUsers.com. That goes to both Katie and I. And you can also follow us on Twitter. We're at MacPowerUsers. I'm uh, at MacSparky and Katie's at Katie Floyd. Uh, I want to thank the sponsors for today's show, 1Password, Pixelmator, and Drobo. They all make fantastic products, and we love having them on the show. And for the next show, we're going to go do one of my pet projects. I've forever wanted to talk about Finder alternatives on the Mac and ways to supercharge your Finder experience. Going to be really geeky, so we'll see you next week, and uh, looking forward to talking to you then. (laughs) 